It Never Rains is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. For example, Oregon is in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday against Utah at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. I'm peeking quickly at ticket prices on game time, and the lowest price ticket is $38. That's pretty unbelievable. That's cheaper than my Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday, which, you know, heck, I could have probably used game time for that, too. Anyways, to get into the door at the lowest ticket prices possible and the best seats possible, check out game time. The game time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the game time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets get prices up to 60% off. Stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Hey, happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to It Never Rains. Tyson Alger here, joined by... Aaron Fentress, like I am just about every week. Aaron, how are you doing, man? It's 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 Rose Bowl. It's Rose Bowl, not week. I guess it's Rose Bowl month that they announced yesterday. Oregon's going to the Rose Bowl. How are you feeling about this? I'm just glad it's not the Alamo Bowl, although I was going to boycott yeah, that yeah, anyway. No so I'm glad for yeah. you it's not the Alamo yeah. Bowl. No offense. No offense to the Alamo Bowl or the people in the great city of San Antonio, but I just did not want to go there. I'm looking forward to the Rose Bowl. It's always beautiful down there that time of year, or usually, and uh, it's always festive and interesting and fun. I'm a little disappointed it's not Penn State, but yeah. Wisconsin's cool too. We 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 were just feeling bad for our uh, our coworker uh, Chris Comrani, who was on the podcast on uh, last week because he he came into the Pac-12 championship game with the potential of a, covering a playoff, which is obviously fun, and it seemed like the um, the consolation prize would at the very least be a Rose Bowl. And now Utah's going to the Alamo Bowl, so uh, you, know, you could just kind of see, <laughs> see you could ju- you could you could just see the happiness drain out of his face with each Oregon touchdown in that game. So, no, nah, I'm kidding. I, I think I, Chris Chris will write the heck out of the Alamo Bowl, but um, I think you and I are both happy. Uh, uh, we get to spend a week in LA, and uh, the Ducks should be awfully happy too, especially after that performance. Um, I know this is a, a several days removed now, but just kind of revisiting um, what was. What impressed you most about that game on Friday? Well, what did I say at the beginning of the season? No run, no ring. No run, no ring. And uh, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they fixed it for a while, and then they kind of st- took a step back. And going into that game, I'm just like, how can I believe they're going to be able to run on Utah, which allows 56 yards per game. And on the first drive with, Her- with, Her- with Herbert running and keeping on some zone reads, they ran the ball pretty well, and it continued. And in the fourth quarter, they popped two long ones. That was easily the most impressive thing. For a team that had been up and down the run game all season to go up against one of the greatest run defenses in the history of the conference, and I can't go back further than you know 15 years on the, web, on the Pac-12 website to see stats uh, to affirm that, but it's definitely one of the greatest at 56 yards. I can't imagine many teams allowed you know, fewer right. than that. They steamrolled those guys. like They had no answer for what Oregon was doing for the most part, and it, that was impressive. I mean, that's, that's what you want to be able to do in a championship situation is rise to the occasion, and they, they did that and then some. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a two-part thing in that run game. Uh, for one, I, I think the fact that Herbert just at least gave them the threat of, of keeping it and in, in, in taking it off himself. You know, he, I think he only finished with like 20 yards and maybe five carries. But just adding that little extra wrinkle just just gave just a slight hesitation 
um, and and I, I think really opened up some things for for Verdell. But then on the other side of that too, I, I think that's far and away the best game the offensive line has played all season. I went back and watched some of it, and um, those guys were just mauling guys, especially on if you go back and look at like that seventy yard CJ Verdell touchdown. Um, I it was I think every single one of the linemen beat their guy on that, and they just made a massive hole for for him on that touchdown. Yeah, Warmack threw his guy on top of Hanson. Actually, <laughs> actually wrote a lot about yeah, that I play. That. <laughs> I wrote a lot about that play. And when I asked those guys what the difference was, they all said that when they went back and watched film on Utah, they noticed that a lot of teams had pretty decent success running inside zone, but then they would get away from it for whatever reason, variety of different reasons, game by game, and they would get in trouble doing other things. And they just decided coming in that they believed that was their weakness. And, of course, inside zone is a play they've all been running forever. And uh, they were just going to attack that and attack that and attack that. And, and by having Herbert keep it on that first drive, I think, I think he had gains of 3, 9, and 15. And he finished with gains of 35, but minus sacks, he finished with a net 20. But that told Utah all game that, okay, he could keep it, which, of course, usually a lot of times is going to keep the end home. Uh, but that didn't really matter because they were just going right up the gut anyway. Now, you know, they had a, over 100 yards in the fourth quarter, so going into the fourth quarter there at maybe 160, which is still strong considering who you were playing, but they felt like one was going to pop at some point. Like, they just believed it was going to yeah. happen, it was going to happen, it was going to happen. And then on that um, third and one, uh, Utah, Utah had eight in the box. They had a safety down five yards off the line of scrimmage and about six yards off the line of scrimmage, six or seven. And it popped, and like you said, that that play, everyone got a, everyone got a, on a guy, and Warmack threw his guy actually into Hanson, and then it was Verdell and and the safety who was up in the box, and he and that was just one of the weakest efforts I've ever seen. Like it's like Verdell's like, you know, two sixty, you have to go low on him, you're getting <laughs> right. run over. But that was a weak, weak, weak effort on his part, and Verdell kind of shook him off and was gone. So it was a very impressive performance by them. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad we, you brought up Warmack. Uh, I think we both talked to him after the game and, uh, I, um, you know, I, I, he, he's often the one that kind of gets, uh, he, he's like the also ran in with this offensive line. Cause you have the three guys and Throckmorton, Lemieux and Hanson who have played together forever. You have Sewell, who is probably the best guy on that line and, and gets a lot, of, a lot of that attention and, and, uh, um, Warmack is the guy who came over from Alabama and I, he was just, he, I think he might've been the happiest guy in the locker room afterwards. He just had a big old smile on his face and was, was so grateful for kind of the opportunity on and all that. And he said, this is exactly why he transferred over from Alabama. And, um, it, yeah, it was, it was uh, def- definitely a, a fun player to talk to after the game. Yeah. I was, I was talking to Hans, I talked to Throckmorton to his right and then Hanson to his left. And then I went to him, and he seemed pretty excited to talk. So I'm glad we, we both talked to him. I'm sure other people <laughs> did too because, yeah, you're right. He does kind of get overlooked. And I think part of it is because, you know, like you said, those other guys have been around since they were, you know, 19 or what have you. And Warback was kind of a transfer in. But, no, he was a pretty engaging guy. So that was good to give him a little bit of attention because he, he played a good game. He's a big physical dude. And so, so here's the thing. You know, Arroyo took a lot of grief from a lot of people all season. And – you know, that was a great performance by the offense. And yeah, I, I think he shoved it down the throats of a lot of people. And I, I, I what, what I think is funny is that it's, I mean, I'm dealing with the Seahawks right now. There's some fool going off about Ken Norton Jr. Because what happened last night, he's not a good defensive coordinator. He got carved up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what magical defensive coordinator are you going to hire that's going to be perfect? What magical every offensive sing, coordinator are you going to hire yeah. that's going to be perfect? Like there's another team out there with coaches too. And, 
whenever a team struggles in some area, everyone's like, oh, the coach sucks. He's got to make adjustments. It's like, what adjustments? Like, no one could ever name what the adjustments should be. They just know they got to make some adjustments. But this was a game where they scouted this very good defense and they found a weakness and they exploited it to, you know, for 37 points. And that's, that's a that, great performance given the inconsistencies coming into that game and the opponent. I, I think that type of criticism is, is, is something that is derives from kind of this, the, the, idiot, the stupidness, <laughs> stupidness, uh, just the, uh, of the college football system, because you have this thing where teams have to go 12 and 0 or 11 and one to even have like a, a, a shot at, at making the playoff. So I think people get so nitpicky that, uh, what, like, you know, if the offense has like one off game, it's like, Oh my God, the world's over. Like this guy can't coach. This guy can't do that. When it's like, yeah, like you said, like other teams are game planning for what you're game planning as well. Like everyone's trying to beat people. And, in, and it's there are very, very few coaches in the entire country that are perfect week to week, um, if, if any. And and so it's, I, you know, more often than not, this Oregon offense was pretty good this year. You know, they weren't they weren't 20, 2010 Oregon, but they were consistent. And I mean, they 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 were they were above average. And uh, yeah, Arroyo, uh, I, I think that was a big a big showcase for him in, in the probably the biggest game he's coached in. And, uh, you know, you're seeing his name kind of getting thrown around for for certain jobs here. Uh um, here in December, and, and yeah, that was that was a, a definitely a big time game for him and his reputation. I think right, and, the, and like you said, you said you went and watched the game already, and you saw the mauling guys. Well, just the opposite. I did a film review of the Oregon State game. They weren't mauling anybody. <laughs> like they, they, yeah, they were barely yeah. blocking people sometimes. So. You guys have to perform. Like I don't think people like. I think sometimes people think players are robots and that the coach just manipulates them. And the coach does manipulate, obviously, but the players have to play. And they played on Friday night. They didn't play well against Oregon State. They didn't play well in some other games where they couldn't score points. So, yeah, I've always felt that the – I remember last year on Talking Ducks, Arroyo's name came up for like the 50th time. That's, and I was like, can we just get off Arroyo? And then it came up again on another show. I'm like, why is everyone just picking on this guy? Shut up. Guys have to perform. He's not perfect, but the players aren't perfect either. But this was a great game for everyone involved because, man, like I said, I, I had no reason to believe that they were going to be able to score – on Utah, given what we had seen the previous two weeks, like there was just no reason dude, to believe that, and they were borderline dominant. Dude, there there were there were some Utah fans that popped up in our live chat asking uh, whether or not we thought Utah could shut out Oregon, and it was like, <laughs> no, but like. I, I no way did I envision that Oregon would be up twenty to zero after the first half. I, I thought I thought Justin Herbert played exactly how he needed to in that game, um, and there was that there was actually a fair amount of drops in that first half too that that probably could have made it. So Oregon was up twenty zero after the first half, but they probably should have been up um, probably another score too uh, after that. Um, but I thought I thought Johnny Johnson had a fantastic game. Yeah, he had, he had a couple he he had a couple catches that I. Johnny Johnson's put up good numbers this year. He's been consistent, but he had a couple catches in this game. You're just like, man, I haven't seen an Oregon guy, you know, make some of those catches in quite some time. I, I, he he really stepped up. Um, and then when you look at, I mean, the defense was nails all game, but uh, you look at Kayvon Thibodeau, like two and a half sacks. He's at nine now on the season, pretty close to that prediction that he gave you way back in, in, in August of, of 10. Um, yeah, that, that was a, a pretty solid uh, team effort all around. Yeah. Well, we've only seen a handful of people ever get 10, I think, in Oregon history. I mean, I'd have to look at the list again, but isn't the record 13 and a half or something like that? Something Reed, like that. I think. Um, DeForest Buckner got 10 and a half. So when a freshman comes in and says, I'm getting 10, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. And Austin uh, Falio, gosh, say it again. Falio. 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 Austin Falio. Just call him AF. 
He, yeah. he was claiming 15. I was when he said that to me, I was just like, I want to say, bro, but he's too big for me to call him out. But <laughs> I was like, you're not getting no 15 sacks. But uh, not that he wasn't, not that he's not talented, but come on, 15 is just a lot has to go your way to get 15. Uh, but no, he's been he's been killing the second half of the season. Uh, he's an athletic cat, and when he gets in a, in a situation where he uh, you know has a chance to make a play on a, on a lineman, he's gonna be difficult to block. I did feel like in the ASU game that there were times when they just you know the tackle just sort of stood him up and it was a stalemate, and that was it. So he's obviously got to get better and and work on his moves. But he's so athletic that if he can get any type of crease whatsoever, he's gonna be able to run down most people. Uh, Fowley has thirteen solo tackles this season, yeah. and. Uh, Two sacks. This, this is nothing against Austin, but, uh, you know, no. shoot for the stars, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, when they were talking about the 4-3 stuff they are going to be doing, he was going to be shooting. Get, basically, it was just going to be a set head hut sack is how he yeah. felt it was going to be. But he's, I mean, he's, he does, the thing is, even if you don't get sacks, if you're doing your job applying pressure and or if you're running 3-4 and you're occupying two blockers to allow the linebackers to make, make tackles, that's, that's what you do. And Eric Armstead didn't have many sacks and it was a first-round pick. I remember people picking on him. Yeah. He's underperformed. I'm like, do you do not know what you're talking about? He's doing his job. Yeah. He was a first-round pick. So Austin's yeah. definitely got an NFL future. I don't think he's going to be able to leave early. Like he, I think he kind of hoped to leave early after this year. I think that was one right. of the reasons why he, he wanted to get 15 sacks. I would be surprised if he left early uh, without the stats to back him up this season. Do, uh, do you think Jordan Scott could leave early? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, not. I, I should, I, let me put it this way: both those guys can prove themselves. Could they come out yeah. early and maybe end up in a, on a on a in a training camp? Yeah, but does that is that going to give them the best opportunity to stick? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, one, one other defensive player I want to shout out. Uh, I thought. I mean, I'm not not unique in this, but I thought Brady Breeze had a pretty incredible game. Uh, the the thing that that. I, I like about watching Breeze play is he just pops people, man. You know, he, he's not even that big of a guy, but especially when you had uh, – they had him and Pickett playing next to each other um, who are both be- – some of Oregon's better, like, safeties in the run game, and both those guys just hit people, man. And, and Breeze was just all over the place, and he was kind of playing on on uh, borrowed time too since he, he, he was able to, to get out of that targeting call, and he came out with the new lease on life. And, uh, I mean, he had that interception. He, he had that, that stuff on – what was it? Fourth and one. Uh, where he stopped Zach Moss early in the first quarter. Um, yeah, yeah, not not bad for a kid who uh, I think started his first game two weeks ago. I think. Yeah, how many games has he started? Uh, this you was his it? second game starting in that his was career. The I start this season, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Um, he's had some starts in the past here or there, correct? No, no, no. He he, he had, never, he had never started a game until this year. Yeah. Oh, I thought he filled in for. Oh no! I guess Ugo's only been gone one year, so yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, um, yeah, he came in as a, as a highly talented four star kid, man. Like people were pretty high on him, uh, and then when um, he, he registered his first year, and then Pickett came along and kind of stole some of his thunder. Because I remember coming into seventeen, I thought Breeze was going to be the starter, right? Uh, along with um, uh, Ugo. And they ended up, and uh, they, did they still have uh, Robinson? They had Billy Gibson too. Billy Gibson. Was Tyree oh, yeah. Robinson still around one more year? Ty- Tyree finished up. I think Tyree's last year was, ta- was Taggart's last year. Yeah, so was Taggart's yeah, year. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then, but Pickett came in as a true freshman and ended up beating out Breeze. I was pretty surprised by that. He had Billy Gibson too. Uh, so, no, it's good to see him finally round into being um, the guy. And one of the things Keith Hayward has always said, <laughs> I remember, I think it was 2017, I was asking him about the safeties, and he was like, he said something to the effect of like, he's waiting for them to stop pissing him off. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? What are they doing to piss you off? He's like, they're not doing their job. They're not being where they're supposed to be. He's like, I tell all of those guys, if you want to play, the number one thing you have to do is be where you're supposed to be. Like, I'm not worried about highlights. I'm not worried about spectacular plays. Are you where you're supposed to be? And so I think that one of the things that held Breeze back maybe was that he wasn't always where he was supposed to be. And now he's figured that part out to go along with his tenacity and he's definitely got some athleticism. And man, he's rounding out into a pretty damn good safety. He's got a, a whole year left. Well, and, and it just goes to show like, or yeah, the whole year. just if, if somebody's not good, like their first two years, like you can improve. And, and I, I think that with like, I think especially when there's so much focus on recruiting and five stars mm-hmm. and, and like like all that sort of stuff and, and mm-hmm. people expect people to be good right away mm-hmm. um, that that players can get kind of discounted if, if they're not a, a true freshman All-American and like all that sort of stuff. Like like Breeze is turning into a really good football player and it's because he's learned. It, it's, it's some people players develop at different speeds and, and I think people write players off way too quickly. There's so much hype about a recruiting class that people <laughs> – Forget that they're going to be the babies, and if they start, that means your previous recruiting. What's that say about the rest of your good. team? <laughs> so now yeah. everyone's going to like this next class is top ten too, right? So now it's going to be oh my god, we got another top ten class coming in. This guy's going to be amazing. That well, wait a minute, you just told me the guys in the previous class were going to be amazing. So are now all these guys going to beat out all those guys? Yeah, I mean, some, most of the time. I mean, every once in a while, there's those freshman sensations, Herbert, Die, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes it takes Alger. guys a couple of yeah. years uh, to mature and get where they need to get to. And uh, Breeze is an example of that. Good for him. All right. Uh, a, uh, switching topics um, to something that, you know, you've seen all the talking heads kind of talking about the last few days. Um, there's been a lot of, well, if Oregon didn't schedule Auburn, they would have oh been in the playoffs. Oh, my God. Play- you know, oh, let's not. No, I'm kidding. Go <laughs> okay. ahead. Let me calm down. No, just – yeah uh <laughs> serenity where now. do you serenity now. I, okay. I for one okay so Cristobal was asked about this after the game and he took he took the approach he probably has to of like hey you know we want to play the best teams we can um and obviously he's not going to say anything different because they're contractually obligated to play Ohio State the next two years and then Georgia after that so it's not like he's gonna come out and be like well, yeah we don't want to play these teams um you can definitely make the argument that if or if Oregon scheduled somebody different if, if they played uh, some sort of cupcake, maybe like the schedule they did last year, maybe they would be in the playoff this year. Uh, I think I fall on the lines of I don't think anybody in their right mind when they scheduled this game thought Oregon would be uh, remotely close to a playoff team. Um, the fact what that they the still ended up anyway? in the role. Uh, I want to say 20. Was it scheduled 2015? Here, you talk. I'll look it up real quick. Oh, so they, they were. I mean, I think they believed they were still going to be running rolling in 2015 but uh okay so first of all i've told you before how much i can't stand the college football system and one of the reasons because it forces people to have the most inane debates and discussions imaginable i just can't like it literally i have a physical visceral reaction to even having this discussion and if you and i are like on the phone right now just talking as boys i'd hang up on you or I change the subject, but I have to talk to you about it because we're paid to. <laughs> but wait, it drives pay- me. You're getting paid for this? Oh, shit. oh wait, you're not. Oh shh. Uh, no, oh, I'm, it's a coupon <laughs> from something. Anyway, yeah. uh, it it drives me absolutely bonkers. Here's the bottom line. How about this? Beat Auburn. Beat excuse me. Beat Auburn. How about that? <laughs> Instead, don't schedule them. Just beat them. And if you do lose yeah. to them, beat ASU. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> like the idea that you're gonna that, not schedule. 
because other programs maybe didn't. It just drives me bonkers. And I, and I believe that Oregon, because of, because of the feelings nationally, and rightfully so, let's face it, about the SEC and, of course, now Clemson, and then whatever Oklahoma does every year, because Oklahoma is an all-time great program, and anything out of the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan, if you're in Oregon, regardless of what happened in 14 and 10, you have to make an impression. And you make that impression by proving you belong in the top five by beating someone really good in the, in the non-conference. I absolutely, absolutely believe that's a thing. And I don't think they necessarily get in if they had beaten who? Who, who's, who should they have played? Fresno State? Okay, they beat Fresno right. State instead of losing to Auburn. You honestly think that gets them in? I don't think it does. I think Oklahoma still looks better on paper. Um, also, also, also there, there, there's a chance that like maybe they lose a, a, a game earlier in the season if they play like three straight cupcakes like they did last year. Um, you know, they, they got into that Stanford game uh, in week four last season, having not played anybody, and they kind of choked it down in the fourth quarter. So maybe maybe playing these big games early in the year actually like. I mean, I, I think it probably accelerated fall camp. It probably made people lock in quicker. And even though they lost that, I mean, you know, this is all subjective, but I, I think there's completely a benefit to playing those games. And I don't think, you know, you don't hear the flip side of it of uh, I, I don't hear a whole bunch of people saying that Ohio State's stupid for for scheduling Oregon next year. You know what I mean? I, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of a, a, a West Coast thing that, that people like to harp on as, as a reason why um, these Pac-12 schools aren't, aren't able to make it into the playoffs. Yeah, it drives me nuts. There's some guy on Twitter now. This is just one guy, but he we're having a friendly conversation. But he's saying this is what he says: Herbert should sit out to not ruin his draft stock, and they should start Tyler Shuck in the Rose Bowl so that he's better prepared to play Ohio State next year because beating Ohio State next year is more important than winning the Rose Bowl. Oh, that, dude, that makes take. me want to hurl. <laughs> the idea that you would throw so, 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 the Rose Bowl, mm. not throw it, but mm. not play your starting quarterback in the Rose Bowl because you want to get Tyler Shuck ready for the Ohio State game by playing him in the Rose Bowl. Because if you beat throw, Ohio throw, State next year, that gives you a better chance to go to the playoffs next year. Makes my head want to explode. Throw the Rose Bowl, which Oregon has won three times Ever. in a hundred plus year, or it's meaningless. years of, it's meaningless. of football. Yeah. yeah, it's meaningless though. And you want to beat Ohio State. And here's the other thing. Tyler Shuck is not going to be any better against Ohio State in nine months <laughs> if he starts the Rose Bowl <laughs> in January 1. Like that's, that's not a thing I don't believe either. Anyway, it's just college football silly. They need an 18 playoffs system. Then... We don't have to argue about this. Yes, there'll be some two-loss team. People will be talking about this two-loss team. Could, could they get in? But no one's going to care as much about number, the eighth seed because the eighth seed is going to get whacked by the one seed. Um, so I, I just yeah, it drives me nuts. But no, more part of Oregon. One of the things Oregon did back in the early 2000s is they were trying to schedule everyone and their mama. That was their thing. When Oregon was like, we want to be a major national player. They did the branding. They did the uniforms. They put Joey's face or whole body in uh, Joey, the Joey Heisman poster in uh, New York. Billboard. That was yeah. all. And then they started trying to schedule everyone. That's how they got Michigan to come to Austin in 2003. They beat Michigan. Michigan was number three in the nation, I think, and they beat them. And that scared off some programs. Now, Oklahoma came, but there were other programs that would not come to Austin because they were like, man, you better watch out. You go to Austin, it may only be 55,000, but there were some crazy-ass fans, and it's loud as hell, and they can beat you. And so teams were kind of backing off. Texas A&M backed out. Kansas State backed out. Um, Tennessee lived up to their agreement. And now, obviously, you got Ohio State and, and um, Georgia. They're going to Is Georgia coming, or is that going to be – yeah, Georgia's coming, right? It's at, no, it's at I, I believe it's at Georgia. So they don't have a home at home. Uh, hey, keep talking, Aaron. But now Ohio State's coming, though, right? So they they agreed Correct. to a home at home. So at least Ohio State did. But yeah. There's a lot of programs that haven't wanted to do that. Now Michigan okay, State so, did. 
2020, Oregon has Ohio State at home. 2021 at Ohio State. 2022 versus Georgia in Atlanta mm. at um, that that fancy stadium. And actually, that I don't think Georgia comes back. I'm so that's a, that's a neutral game in their state, <laughs> a neutral yeah, site exactly. in their state, right? Yeah. Uh, 20, see right there. So, 20, so Georgia's get, saying yeah. we don't want to come to Austin. Yeah. That's what they're saying. So I, I've always given Oregon mad credit because they are they have always been very aggressive. And I think that's what you need to do because you're going to have to make a splash early. Now, when, when Oregon uh, made it to the playoffs in 2014, they beat Michigan State. And Michigan State was a top 10 team at the time. And I think they finished top 15. If they don't, yeah. if they play Arkansas State that year instead, like they did two years prior, and then lost to Arizona, maybe they Arizona, don't get they in. wouldn't make it. Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, I, I, I have to go back and look at the whole rankings to see who could, could have beaten them out. But that Michigan State carried win carried weight. Uh, so yeah, anyway, I just... Ugh, it drives me bananas. I think. See, here's. Yeah, if I were, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say you 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 made the perfect point earlier. Is like it's not a problem if you win them. That's, exactly. That's, win it. that's if it. You can't beat Auburn. Just, why just you win, win those games? National title. And you lost Arizona State. But anyway, here, here's the thing. I, I've, I've this has been my thing for. I think I first proposed this, 2013, uh, 11 or something like this. So what you do is you say, okay, you do, you have to declare two years in advance if you plan to contend. An intent to contend is what I would call it. And it, what, if you apply for this, <laughs> and like say this. You win, then every team in that pool with an intent to contend must schedule someone in that pool out of conference. So therefore, it's okay. mandatory. You cannot be invited to a playoff format system unless Without you have declared winning. intent to contend and played a non-conference game against another team that has declared an intent to contend. So you can't just schedule a bunch of schmucks. You can't. You, if you're Alabama, you have to, they're going to declare every year, right? So Alabama, every year, is going to have to play someone good from the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, and or the Pac-12 every single year. And you do that around, everyone's involved, and therefore you, can't, you don't have this problem at the end of the year where one team has played in Auburn and another team has only played you know, a bunch of patsies. That's my. <laughs> there, there, there's, there, there's going to be one school that just doesn't look like all the rest. That's like, oh yeah, we're going to contend, and then all the rest are going to be trying to fight over to schedule that one school. <laughs> like, like, Al, like Al, Al, Alabama is going to pay like, uh, well, I, I, like Syracuse, like Syracuse to like intend to intend, and then everyone's going to be fighting over who, who gets to schedule Syracuse. I, I think there would be a filtering system, but that's a good point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next big scan. I, that, that's a fascinating uh, concept, though. I, I kind of like that, Aaron. I'm, I'm going to admit. Um, Thank you. I, I haven't heard you talk about this one before. Yeah, or maybe I, I haven't. It. I, I kind of tabled it in 2011 and 12 when I came up with it. <laughs> when, 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 when they went with the playoff instead of your method, it, just, it was too too hard for you to digest. And I tell you what, man. I was so happy when they went to the playoff. I, I was, I'm still wait. I mean, as, as, as bitter as I sound right now, I'm so much happier than I was with the BCS. The BCS drove me. Oh, yeah. Me. But even yeah. that was better than the prior system. So it's getting better every ten years. <laughs> do you know who? Do you know who's probably was like the happiest person in America Friday night? It was probably Paul Feinbaum. Like, oh, I know. Yeah, He's like, see, I told you. Yeah. Back to yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought uh, um, Stuart Mandel with with the Athletic here. I thought he wrote. I had a good thought in his his column. It's just like you know, for for the other conferences, you know, like um, you know, Alabama can have a one off random loss somewhere and. and you know, it's not necessarily the the end of the program sort of thing. But, you know, if Utah has Utah and the Pac-12 has that one loss, it's automatically a complete um, denial of, of everything the entire conference does. Like Utah, Utah still had a really good season. Utah still a really good football team. 
they just weren't quite one of the top four football teams in the country this season. I don't think I don't think it all of a sudden was a terrible look for the Pac-12. I mean, for mo- very the majority of the season, everyone thought Oregon was was the best team in the conference, and yeah, you, that's why you got to play the See, games, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, look, I, I think LSU pretty much beats everybody. Probably Ohio State yep. does too, but I think you know, teams like Oregon and Utah, and even the Penn State. Maybe even Minnesota deserve a chance to show me. Like that's why it should be eight. Like, you know, Oregon should be in right now, and Utah. That's Utah has two losses. They lost to USC, we all know is very talented, and they lost to Oregon. Ended up in the top twenty-five. That's a yeah. great season, man. Like, <clears throat> they deserve a chance to to show. Maybe they could. You know, I mean, look, if Oregon and Utah played again next week. I wouldn't be like, oh, Oregon's gonna blow them out. I think Utah would make yeah. some adjustments, take away the zone read, and, and make Herbert try and beat them, uh, and see what happens. Herbert didn't have that great of a game. Um, so I don't think this means that Oregon's flat out way better. Just like I, did, I don't think Oregon losing to ASU means ASU is better than Oregon. So it, it needs to be eight. I think eight will be the the right number. And you can have like next week, like this Saturday, the uh, number one, uh, the top four host the other the other four. So you have an extra home game. Um, you don't have to worry about some neutral site. I think it would be spectacular, and it, it's going to happen eventually. It's going to happen. Um, anything to worry about with the Seahawks after last night? No, I kind of figured they had a clunker, clunker coming. They're not a dominant team, and they had a bad night. Uh, I, I, I would say LA that, always seems to have their number, even even like dating back to like um, you know, it seems like it seems like the Rams of all, all, yeah, four to yeah. Well, sorry, wait, uh, yeah, four to five. Um, I think is what they've won against them now. Uh, but their offense has been struggling the last month. They've won anyway. But it, it has been kind of up and down the last month, so I guess there is some concern there. And then they just lost Rashad Penny for the year with a with a knee ligament ACL, so he's most most likely done for the season. So that's not good. But they got they're at Carolina this this weekend, and then home against Arizona. They should win those two. If they win those two, then the uh, final game against San Francisco on the 29th at home will be for the NFC West title. What's uh? I I know uh, coming into the season, you and I had talked a lot about uh, just how ridiculous your weekends were going to be for for this year. And now that you've at least made it through um, an entire college portion of this schedule, like how how hard has this actually been? Because I mean, I just just from my perspective, I um, I mean to be fair, the college football schedule is probably out of all like the major sports you can com- cover is is probably one of the best ones you can have because ultimately you're gone six weekends a year or so. Um, but I mean, Sunday I was pretty gassed because I, I had like a 6 a.m. flight after writing until like two in the morning. But like, then I was like, oh man, Fentress has still got a whole nother game to cover. Um, <laughs> just how, 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 how daunting has, has the, the last like three months been? Well, uh, it's been interesting. I think the fact that I was able to pick and choose the duck games I was going to go to, I think I've been to six. That mm-hmm. definitely made it a lot easier. <clears throat> and there were a few weekends where either the Ducks were off and the Seahawks played maybe Thursday night or, or Monday night, which gave me the weekend off. Um, I, like There was one game where I was like, I just boycotted. I think I boycotted Arizona, and I think Seahawks had something. So I had the entire weekend off to hang out with the family. So th- those little spots helped break it up a little bit. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't – the travel part is a little bit of a pain in the ass, you know, airports and sitting on a plane for four yeah. hours or whatever. But I love football and I love going to different stadiums. Uh, so it's been cool. Like, I mean, if this was going to go on for another three months, I'd probably be like, where's a gun? 
but you know, yeah. I, I got through the <laughs> toughest part. And like you know, I, the, the Seahawks play the 29th, and then then I'm gonna fly from Seattle to LA that night and join you at Media Day on Monday to get ready for the Rose Bowl. So it's like, okay, I'll be gone for four days, but I'm gonna watch basically the NFC West title game and the Rose Bowl. So I can't really complain too much. I, I think I think that's when it, it gets good. Like there there are definitely some games. Um, I mean we have we have awesome jobs. We could watch sports for a living. There there are definitely some weeks where um, you know it still definitely feels like work. Is especially like you know if if they have like a like week three of a bad non conference opponent or something when they're, yeah like you know, Montana and Nevada win like seventy to zero and it's a seven thirty kickoff. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> um, I'm I'm constantly reminded like at this time of the year, um, you know I, I had a lot of friends watching that game. Um, you know we we get a lot more people you know reading and and, and listening to our stuff and it's just like. Yeah, like okay, like got to got to be on the sideline for the Pac-12 championship game a couple nights ago. We're about to go to the Rose Bowl for a week. Like this, this, this is when this job is good because it's it's good football. Um, it's it's kind of the pageantry of of, of college football and all that. So uh, right. it's it's I'm 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 excited for the next few weeks coming up here. I agree. So we're gonna talk about Wisconsin at all, or we'll save that. Yeah, you know, we do have uh, several podcasts to fill over the coming weeks. Um, I, I think just like my my main first impression was, um, I mean, Oregon's pretty familiar with Wisconsin. They 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 played them once already this decade in the Rose Bowl. Um, it's it's kind of your typical Wisconsin team that's built big up on the line. They have a fantastic running back. They have a pretty good defense. Um, a, a, a quarterback who takes care of the football and doesn't throw many interceptions. So. Um, you know, this is kind of, uh, uh, it's, it's a kind of another one of those games and maybe like Auburn where, uh, you go like, okay, it's, it's, it's a kind of a similar type of football team to what Oregon's trying to be right now. Right. Yeah. I, my initial reaction is Oregon based on what I saw Friday. <clears throat> um, but I'll give it some more time before I make an official. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think if. I I think if Oregon plays like it did on Friday, I, I think Oregon wins this game. Um, it's just a matter of you know, I, how how many times do we think we saw Oregon play like that this year? Twice, like to that full on level, like maybe maybe the USC game. I although the defense was a little bit better in this game, I thought, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I I like Oregon's high end if they can hit it. No, I agree. I just I, and Wisconsin had that loss to Illinois, uh, which was bizarre. Um, they struggled with Iowa. Iowa's a good team though, but. <clears throat> they did struggle in that game, but they've had some very impressive wins over people too. And then two of their three losses were to Ohio State. Which, Ohio State, you know, obviously, I think Ohio State would be Oregon as well. So it's just it's hard to tell at this point. Their their passing game is not awesome, but their running game obviously is baller with Taylor. Taylor's supposed to play too, is my understanding. Um, right. Yeah. So if that's the case, then he you know he's going to be a a formidable force to deal with. Uh, but at the same time, it's like. Is Wisconsin necessarily better than Utah? I don't know. And we just saw Oregon handle Utah, so it's tough to. It's we tough we to all gauge. thought Utah. We all thought Utah was a playoff team. We didn't think Wisconsin was a playoff team, and Oregon smacked around Utah. So uh, right. <laughs> this is this is definitely a game where Oregon's not going to be. It's definitely not an outclassed type of game. Uh, this is a game Oregon could. I, I don't know if a line has come out yet or not, but it's it's a game they could or possibly should be favored in. So I think it came out. Uh, uh, Wisconsin minus three, minus three. Okay, yeah. So it, regardless, it's 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 should be a close one, and uh, um, 
I, I think over the coming weeks, we'll, we'll probably do a podcast diving into maybe probably a full, full dive in on Wisconsin. We'll bring, bring our athletics, Wisconsin writer on and, uh, um, ooh, yeah, it, it should, should be, huh? I said, Ooh, goody. It's yeah. 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 Wisconsin minus three you know, over under 49 and a half. 49 and a half. Ooh, I like, a or- I like an Oregon over teaser. Yeah. I like an Oregon. Oregon, okay. Oregon plus Ooh. nine tease at the over 43 and a half. I like that. Let me, hold on. So let me call my, let me call my, my bookie. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to have a bookie anymore, Aaron. It's oh, you don't do you? You don't have to get threatened to have my arms broken off anymore. Look, man, if you just paid up, I wouldn't have to do that. <laughs> All righty. Let, let's, let's wrap this thing up. You, you, you got any parting thoughts here before uh, we come back on Friday? Uh, hey, just that that was a very impressive night, Friday night. Uh, props to the Ducks for winning the conference title. Um, and we'll see if they can get it done in the Rose Bowl. I, I know there's a few fans out there who are bummed because they're not in the playoffs, some griping here and there. But, man, it's the Rose Bowl, dude. Like. It's it's a big deal. It matters, and I think those fans. When we get closer to it, I think they'll start to feel the juice. Um, and I think it's important. You want you want to you want to put get get another Rose Bowl trophy and put it in your in your uh, your trophy case. I think that's big for the program. Two years ago, they lost the Las Vegas Bowl. Last year, they won an absolute snoozer of a Red Box Bowl. If anybody's unhappy that they're playing in the Rose Bowl, they are certifiably crazy because uh, <laughs> th- this is getting back to uh, kind of the elite levels of college football. And uh, there are uh, dozens upon dozens of programs in the country who would love to be in Oregon's position right now. So um, that's all for us here today on Friday or on Monday. We'll be back on Friday with, uh, with another episode and uh, yeah, uh, stay, keep, keep reading up on the athletic for, uh, I, I think we got some fun stories planned here over the next few weeks. So talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.